Thanks to our sponsors, Renault. The Renault Capture, stylish on the outside and spacious on the inside. A grain, all right. A grain, all right. It's going to tip the scale. Just remember that. There's a small bit of a needle there. Come on, Mayo. You've got to get Andy Moran into the game. Hello everyone, you're very welcome to the Irish Examiner Gaelic Football Show in association with Renault. My name is Paul Rouse and I'm joined by the former Armagh footballer Ushi McConville and by the former Kerry footballer and manager Eamon Fitzmaurice. We'll be joined shortly by the former Galway footballer and manager Kevin Walsh to preview a bumper weekend of Gaelic football that's ahead of us. We will be looking at all uh, four provincial finals and at seven matches in the Talchon Cup. But we will start with the qualifiers. Now, these matches don't take place until the weekend of the 4th and 5th of June, but the draw has already given us a lot to look forward to. Ushin, you look like a man who's in a dark place. Yeah, I, was, I, I jumped out of bed this morning and I was tempted to jump back into it whenever I, uh, I realised what the draw was. Um, that's not the draw, not to state the obvious, but that's not the draw that, that Armagh wanted or needed. Um, so Armagh uh, versus Tyrone in the game in 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 in, in the Yeah, uh, it's not the draw we wanted, not the draw we needed. Tyrone and Armagh fed up looking at each other. Um, both teams hurting from um, Derry and Donegal defeats. So yeah, I I get over it, but it's going to take me a bit of time. <laughs> well, do you? What do you fear most about it? Uh, I suppose, like, if you look at... I, I was there in, for the league game that, um, that Armagh won uh, in pretty controversial circumstances. And there's a couple of things about that in that Throne will have a little bit of extra motivation maybe going into the game. Um, I think Armagh are searching for form. I think... Um, it's, it'll be a controlled game. Both teams will try and control it. And, and I think Tyrone are better at controlling games than, than Armagh are. Um, so, Armagh have a chance, all right. But it just, again, it's just, uh, it's tough. It's really, really tough for, to see Armagh win that game. It really is. So, Armagh, Armagh have been training. I know they think they played Common down in Longford in Pierce Park. The weekend before last, looking for matches around the place. What's wh- how big of a kick to them was the was the championship loss? I think they played Dublin as well. Um, how big of a loss was it? Um, huge, huge because there was so much put into that. Um, so much thoughts around uh, being in the right side of the draw and getting a run to the Ulster final um, and the early season form. Um, Lifted expectations, uh, and then it come down with a massive bang. I think uh, the kick-out situation the last day is something that obviously would worry Armagh and something that has to be rectified in order for um, in order for Armagh to advance in any sort of way, shape, or form. You know that's, that goes ju- not just purely winning the game, but that goes by that goes in uh, performances, form, uh, plan, all that sort of stuff. So. Tough. Eamon, 
Tyrone have looked poor this year. There's no point in us saying any, anything else beyond that. But is this the potential to kickstart their season? Yeah, I think that's true for all the teams in the qualifiers, uh, Paul, that, you know, you look at when you lose a championship game, it's usually disappointing. And then you look to react in the qualifiers. Obviously, uh, if they needed any bit of extra motivation, the fact that it is Armagh is going to give it an extra bit of a, a twist. But, um, you know, it's OK talking about that. But I suppose the question is, can they react and have they it in them to react? Um, have they been able to do enough over the last couple of weeks um, to kind of address that bit of a malaise that has been there throughout the season so far for them? Um, but look, they're huge games and the way the draw has panned out. I think the four Division One teams would have possibly loved to have got one of the Division Two teams, uh, you know, to get themselves up and running again without being dis- disrespectful to the Division Two teams. But the fact the four Division One teams are up against each other now, and you're going to have, regardless of who wins the games, you're going to have two serious casualties uh, gone out of the championship by the June, the June Bank Holiday weekend. So um, I think it's intriguing. It's an intriguing draw, and it's going to be that that game, and obviously the game in Castle Bar are going to be. All of the games are interesting, but those two those two games are huge in the context of the overall championship. If you were if you were involved in Tyrone, would you bring in a couple of guys from the under twenty team and put them straight into that senior team now to try and just to try and to find a chemistry there? Um, I think that depends really on the way things are going and have gone for them in the last the last couple of weeks, uh, Paul. I think absolutely it's a card you could play um, if you feel that things haven't changed too much since the since the defeat since the Derry defeat. Uh, I think certainly bringing them in, there's nothing to be lost by bringing them in and having them around the place, throwing them into the football, seeing how they're getting on and then using uh, the usual parameters if they're in the top 15, give them a go. If they're in the top 26, have them in the squad. But I wouldn't force it as in just to throw them in unless things are very flat altogether and they can't get any reaction out of it. And you're just trying to think of something from left field to get it going. But I think it's a balance. You have to try and trust your squad and your players that have been there, uh, that have done the work all, all year as well. So there's definitely a balance in that. But some of them, obviously, Rory Canavan was fantastic in that under-20 campaign. Um, but I I think he's still underage again next year. So he's yeah. he's he's quite young. Um, now, you know, if you're young enough or if you're good enough, are you ever too young? And the other thing is maybe the likes of um, your man, Michael McLean, was very impressive as well in the games. He certainly has the, the physicality, physicality to, be able, yeah. to be able to step up straight away, possibly from that point of view. But um, uh, it, it, it will be an interesting one to see if some of them make their way in and it could patch up the kind of um, bit of a hole that's been left there from the departures uh, earlier on in the season uh, from the Tyrone squad. Oshin, the feeling, what will the feeling be in Armagh about this match? Just that it's crucial. I think um, that Eamon said, you know, about if we were looking for your ideal draw, you know, you'd, you'd ideally take one game and then take anybody after that, but you but you really need a game maybe to to um, 
just to launch yourself back into the championship and um, to get a feeling for you know what you've been doing in the training ground and those challenge matches uh, as to you know are these things going to work um and you've no guarantee obviously you're beating a, a division two team but your your uh the chances inc- increase dramatically um so I, I would think that as for players, I mean, it's definitely one that players will like to get their teeth into. Uh, they'll they'll take a lot from beating Tyrone in Armagh in the league, but realise that Tyrone probably were well off it at that stage. So uh, it's it's probably it's seen, I think, in this county as a must-win game. And it wouldn't matter who it had been, but uh, Tyrone will bring an extra layer of pressure and uh, and intensity as a result of that. It strikes me that there's be a serious edge as well in the Mayo Monaghan game. I think both of those counties. I think there was a perception that Mayo could get a run going through the qualifiers and be really dangerous in an All Ireland quarter final. But that's a really tough start for them, Eamon. It is, and look, I think whoever comes through, and we're we're seeing that straight away with the draws, Paul. That whatever teams are left standing uh, for the All Ireland quarter final they're actually going to be in a fantastic position at that stage. And I think, as O'Sheen said there, you know, that whoever, if, if Armagh uh, beats, if Armagh are to beat Tyrone and beats one of the provincial losers after that, they'd fancy taking on anyone in the quarter final. And similar to the, the winners of Mayo and Monaghan in that game, that's the beauty of this. It's almost like, um, it, it's it's certainly better than coming through the Munster Championship anyway, in terms of getting ready for an All-Ireland quarter final. So, uh, it's going to be a huge game and you have the, I suppose, the interesting caveat as well of Donny Buckley um, returning with, with Monaghan, going back to Mayo, where he spent so many years. So that'll add a bit of um, spice and another element to that game. Um, but all of the teams in the qualifiers, because of the nature of their performances in the real championship, not that they're going to feel under pressure, but there's certainly going to be real backs-to-the-wall feel of those games straight away. I, I always reference. I think a lot depends. Just think a lot depends on Mayo of you know what the personnel is. I think you know the players, you know who's who's back from injury, who's you know who's going well. I mean, they had a, carried a lot of injuries in and out of the, out of um, the Galway game, and I think um, you look at the likes of Damon O'Connor and boys like that, and didn't look a hundred percent fit. So that that will have given them time to to heal and recuperate. But again. How much actual match practice have they done in that time? You know how how much training have they been involved in? So again, you you just you're taking a chance on boys like that. You know if they're not 100 percent fit, but I think it's crucial that you know the especially the likes of Oshin Mullen and and O'Hara, they need all of those guys fit because the way I looked at the Monaghan Mayo match immediately was like McManus and. Uh, McCarran will get the opportunity to play. You know they will get the opportunity to to use the spaces that they absolutely had no chance of using the last day. Um, so I think that's what makes makes it maybe. I would I would already edge towards Monaghan in that game because just purely because of those matchups and the fact that McCarran and, and McManus may feel this is the day to express themselves. Yeah, Mayo's record in Castlebar isn't excellent. Great, it, it, it's 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 tight it's tight enough there. And Loud Cork, Clare Mead as well. Uh, I know Mead were were pretty poor in in the Leinster Championship, but they've a really good record against Clare, both both home and away. That 
that's a tight one and, and loud Cork. I think I think Cork will, will be favourites for that, but both of those matches look like they'll be really tight as well. Yeah, absolutely, Paul. And I think look for you know it's even hard to say who is favourites in those games, but uh, for those four teams, I think it's an exciting opportunity for them because they're going up against teams at their own at their own level, and they've a huge chance of winning the game. And you know, teams that would have been flirting with possibly having been in the Talton Cup are getting a chance in the first round of the qualifiers to again play a team at their own standard and win there. So uh, it's a it's a massive opportunity for, for the four teams and the traditional teams like Cork and, and Meat have a chance to advance and build a bit of confidence, but there's no guarantees. You know, Laut aren't going to be afraid of Cork and the, the way that they set up and play will be awkward for Cork and they'll want to react, you know, to, to poor performance by the standards that they had so far this season against Kildare. And uh, similarly, meet you know, like it, it'll have to be a totally different performance to what they produced in the Leinster final because... They were a million miles off it in the Leinster final or in the Leinster semi-final against uh, Dublin, and uh, Clare Clare will fancy that at, at home, and they're obviously going to have been disappointed losing the game in penalties as well. So they're all they're all interesting games, and they're all good games to be looking forward to. I, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't be writing off Limerick in the Munster final entirely, but uh, there's no point in saying anything other than Kerry are very very strong favourites there, and that would put Limerick back into the qualifier round for the All-Ireland quarterfinal. A Division 2 team who could get playing against two other Division 2 teams. There's a pathway here to an All-Ireland quarterfinal for a team for whom it would, would, would mark it down as an outstanding season, Oshin. It would. And like when you think about Limerick's season up to now, they probably have got as much out of it as they possibly could. Um, and the next two games are absolutely crucial for them. Um, you know, like if if you're in that if you're in that Limerick camp, of course you're thinking, you know, there is a chance we can we can beat Kerry, but realistically, I don't think that's going to happen. So how do you get the most out of it, and how do you take something into that next game? Um, I remember me three years ago, they got a promotion and ended up in a in a Leinster final, and I think, you know, they've been hurting from that ever since. They got they got the absolute maximum out of out of uh, the season that they could, and Limerick are in a very similar situation. So how do you rescue? I don't know. What, what, I know you know they haven't even played the the Munster final yet, but you know it's it's all about. Um, for me, Limerick going into that game against Kerry and keeping it very very respectable, um, getting something out of the game, and then being ready to uh, to rock for the for the, for the quali- for that one qualifier game that gives them the opportunity to get into a quarter final. So, like. It's amazing when you think, you know, somebody's season has been so good up to now and yet the next two games, you know, are, are probably what's going to define it and are going to be pivotal pivotal um, to a team like Limerick. So they're trying to get as much out of it as they can. But the fact that the draw has gone the way the draw went this morning, as you say, it does give a team like Limerick uh, an opportunity and a chance maybe to advance to the quarterfinal. We'll come back to these qualifiers next week, but I want to talk quickly about the Talchon Cup. Did did either of you watch uh, either of the Talton Cup matches at the weekend? Offaly played Wicklow, or sorry, Offaly played Wexford and Wicklow played Walford. I didn't. Um, still, I, I didn't that. this weekend. Watched, no, no, but I'm going to watch no. the games down the line, Paul. Yeah, no, I didn't this weekend. 
No, but just it just and the reason why I ask, I ask that not to put anyone in a position. I ask it just to say that this is a competition long heralded, which began this weekend with a with a very very with a whimper, if truth be told. But next weekend there are seven matches, and those seven matches take place on the same weekend as four provincial finals, as the Champions League final, as the European Rugby Cup final, and. They will be played around the country, and I think the crowds will be exceptionally small. I watched awfully. Um, I watched awfully against Wexford. I'm actually I'm in New York at the moment, and I I went and watched uh, up to the Bronx to watch uh, the awfully the awfully Wexford game with a friend of mine from Wexford, which was uh, quite the experience. Um, we engaged at man, in manly wrestling at various stages <laughs> in the contest, but um, it was. I'd say were there two thousand people there, I'd be amazed if there were. It was an incredibly small crowd. I don't think there was a crowd at Wicklow Watford. Next weekend, Offaly play Wicklow, Carlo play Tip, Leash play Westmead, Longford play Fermanagh, Leitrim play Antrim, Sligo play London, and Cavan be down. I don't, I don't think there'll be crowds at any of those matches. No, I would agree with that. I only watched the highlights um, of of both of those games, so um, I think it's to do with you know. A, I know they were accessible, but uh, for me, like you know, they get they're sort of getting they got lost this weekend. And when you consider there wasn't a wasn't a massive amount of stuff on um, next week, I don't think I think just for the reasons that you say, like you know, there's uh, there's just too much happening. Provincial four provincial finals all in the one weekend. Trying to like get your head around that, divulge it, and then. Add into the mix the other sports that are that are vying for, um, vying for an audience as well. I think you're right. I think it'll be very uh, few people, and even Cavan Down, which is undoubtedly the pick of the fixtures. Like I think you'll have a you'll have a certain element of Cavan people, but I don't think you'll have too many from Down heading to Breffney Park. No, and I I, I take your point, Damon. I I do think it'll be semi-finals. I know semi-finals and finals are live on telly. I do think it will be not until that stage that the competition really gets going and maybe it'll help with with New York coming in, in in the round after this. But it feels like it feels like the split of the competition, first of all, into northern section, be southern section. It just doesn't feel seem to me to make sense. The logic behind it doesn't seem to make sense. Well you don't get the the kind of draws that we were speaking about in the qualifiers there this morning. I know there's still some local um rivalries there but at least you're giving a chance for it to be that open draw and to generate a bit of excitement about it but I think that's going to be the challenge of it as you said it's going on parallel with the other competitions at the moment uh, and it will take it until it gets to the semi-final stage or possibly even the quarter-final stage that we'll get a bit of excitement and energy around it um, that's probably the short-term pain that we have to take at the moment but I, I do think that there the the commentary around the Talton Cup from the media's point of view, from any of the kind of pundits that are talking about it, from players, from managers, it is in general positive. And you'll be just hoping that as the thing goes on, that it will build a bit of momentum. And I'm sure Offaly and Wicklow are happy out this morning and they're happy out to be looking forward to a game again next weekend. And whoever comes through those games similarly will be looking forward again. So... Uh, it is it is a pity it's being overshadowed at the moment, but I do think 
when it gets to the live te- TV stuff, the live semi-finals and live final, um, it'll give it a bit of uh, a profile that it deserves. Yes, Kevin, you're you're very welcome. Um, let's talk about the, the Connacht football final. Galway have not beaten Roscommon in Pierce Stadium in a Connacht final for quite a while. Why is that? Yeah, be Paul. It's a nice question starting off. Um, <clears throat> look at it, I suppose it's a rivalry. I think Roscommon do they do tend to get their they do seem to save their best wine for for the for the maroon and white. And even back in our own time when we did a good run. We were very, very lucky to beat, beat Roscommon even in, in, a, in a replay in extra time, 1998 as well. So they just seem to have, um, they seem to lift it. They do seem to lift it. And, you know, they're good enough. They're good forwards. Um, they will take beating. But, you know, I suppose at this point, it's the first time in 70 years or so where they've already beaten Galway twice in the same year. So if they go on to make it a threesome, um, you know, that'll be fairly serious. But uh, look at uh, Galway are well warned. They've beaten the league final. They've beaten in the in the, the league before that, so you'd expect Galway to come with the best they have. Uh, but Roscommon will also come with that, so it won't be easy. Uh, very hard one to call. You think Galway will win, though, don't you? Well, I think they will win. Yeah, I think um, I think they will win. I think they're forewarned. I think um, I know you said with Pierce Stadium, the home advantage probably if if Galway are rightly up first, which there's no reason why they won't be. I mean, even my own time as manager, there's once or twice we've been very disappointed with how we say the lads got themselves up for, for a particular game. I mean, there was one game there where just the bite didn't seem to be there. So hunger is huge. And I think the lads will tell you that. Like, so you, but there's no reason why the hunger shouldn't be there. And if it's not, you know, you, you'd worry a little bit. Do you worry about the Galway defence? Um, I think... I, I would have said last time before the BMO, I'd expected that Galway would go out not, not, uh, we'll say, putting bodies behind the ball. They did that. I expected they would have learned from that. Um, so I think they're getting bodies back. Um, I think the most common forwards are better forwards than BMO at the minute. So it's, it's fine getting bodies back, but it's to know exactly what you're doing. So, look, I mean, I do think we have problems in the cornerback area. Um Again, it's, it depends on how much you're going to hold back to cover that area up. But uh, yeah, I, I I don't think that they're that they're fully ready for going man to man back there. So I'd expect that it will try to cover off the Roscommon forwards who are quite good. Is there a tackle technique issue in Galway? To be honest, I think it's 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 all over the country uh, in a way. Um, look at Paul. It's back to you know. I don't think there's too many people at the minute. Uh, the way forwards move nowadays that if you're left 1v1 against the best forwards I don't care how good a tackle you are you're going to be in trouble so I think I think it's um, I suppose that's where Mayo probably struggling at the minute where I think I would have called that as well where the, 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 the Mayo opponents are getting quicker out of defence so they're not getting the bodies back as quick as they were back in the in, in, in the good days of three or four years ago I think they're suffering for that now they have the Kenny O'Connor of three years ago Randy Morton's, your Kevin McLaughlin's when he was going really well. Those guys were brilliant tacklers up front. So it allowed it, it slowed the opposition down. And if you can't slow the opposition down and you left one v one in the back early, you're going to be in trouble, regardless of the, the tackle technique. How do you stop that, Eamon? How do you how do you how do you try and change a team to stop yourself being exposed at the back? 
Yeah, no, I think Kevin hit the nail in the head there. You know, the forward pressure is so important. And when you look back to the teams that have been going well over the last couple of years, that Mayo team were fantastic tacklers. The dubs at their pomp as well. They probably didn't get the credit up front with how good they were at slowing down the opposition coming out. The likes of Dean Rock worked very hard. Bernard Brogan, when he was playing, it was a thing that he brought into his game. Um, all of those forwards, they 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 might have been putting in a huge amount of tackles, but their shape was very good. They were good at getting back, slowing the opposition down, getting them down the sidelines, which in turn then allowed the likes of Keanu Sullivan to drop back in front of uh, his his full back line and help them out. Or in later times, Johnny Cooper, John Small, you know, and they they polished it and finessed it to such an extent that they were able to do it with. Um, a rotating sweeper, which they seem to be favouring again this summer. So I think the forward pressure is huge. And when you've got players that are willing to um, track and harry and put pressure in the opposition, slow them down, it gives you an opportunity to get your, your set up in place. But as Kevin mentioned there a second ago, if you're if the backs are getting the ball out quick, you are definitely going to be exposed at the back unless you have the permanent sweeper back there. Are you impressed by what you see with Russ Common? I am, and I'm always kind of impressed with them, Paul. Um, I think they're, I always find it hard to not pigeonhole them, but to exactly describe what they are or what they're about. They're, I always find them good. I when, when I came up against them in management, I always found them. Um, they're good footballers. Aren't they're they? good, they're footballers. good players. They have a lot of good footballers. They work hard for each other. They have a good spirit. They have a degree of physicality. I think they can be got at at the back. All right, but yeah. they have they have six forwards, and I think again to go back to what Kevin was saying about Galway's system that they used against uh, Mayo, where they had um, Dylan McHugh and um, Kieran Malloy as those kind of double sweepers coming in from their positions, holding their positions. How that works the next day if they deploy it will be very interesting because with Kieran Marta and Cahal Hennigan. They're not players that you can cheat off that are playing half forward for, for Roscommon. So if they're cheating off them, especially the likes of Kieran Murta and Kyle Hennigan, I know he's a bit younger, maybe not as experienced, but they could go to town on you. So what Galway do there will be interesting and I'll be curious to watch that myself. Um, but uh, yeah, I have been impressed with Roscommon and I always, I always am. Um, but like I said, I always find it hard to describe exactly what they are. Kevin, when, when last week or last time we had a podcast, Oshin talked about uh, players being coachable. And I was just thinking, I was thinking about that for the last while, um, Eamon. And I, I was thinking, do you think there are players who are not coachable? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, there absolutely are. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 yeah. Um, I could think of a couple of anecdotes there now, but I don't want to be thrown feathers under the bus. But yeah, there are. There are and some players are, are beautifully uncoachable in that they're so good and they're so instinctive that they do the right thing most of the time anyway. But uh, you have players then that need to be coached and need to be coachable, but they just find it very hard to take it, the instruction on board or they take it on board and they work very hard in it and then when they cross the white lines it all goes out and they go back to type and regardless of what, how many video clips you show of them and especially positive clips of them doing the right thing 
in training possibly they find it hard to transfer so I think it comes back to the coach then to find a role for them uh, bearing in mind the attributes they have rather than trying to change them possibly Oshim were you coachable? Um, oh, Jesus um, I'd say at times I was and then those times I was uh, intent on doing my own thing I think I think it it, it it come down to if I felt the thing was right, you know, if I felt in my own head that what I was being told, you know, there was merit in it. Um, but I had a, a great um, I had a great way of making up my own mind on a lot of things. So it was up to you. So you were the kind of the manager of the team. Then is that how you saw this? <laughs> Absolutely not. I was I actually believe it or not, people wouldn't believe this, but I was actually quite easy to manage. I think. Uh, but on the coachable side of things, I'm not so sure. If there was something that I didn't like, I wouldn't necessarily totally disagree with it or be um, a voice about it. But I, um, I would still probably do my own thing. You listened to your brother Jim when he told you to stay out of the shame. Also, you're good to take instructions sometimes, uh, Oshin. Advice, advice. Yes, I was. I was good at taking advice. And that was sound advice, believe me. <laughs> and 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 what 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 would you do now when you're managing, say, managing Inneskeen or managing DKIT, and there's a player who's doing their own thing? How do you approach it? I think video clips is 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 great now. Um, I think showing a player the visual stuff is uh, is is the, is the way to go for me. Um, just telling somebody that they're doing something wrong, not really. It's not really having that. I find it's not really having that impact. So to have the the video evidence, the backup, uh, what you're saying is uh, is crucial. Even you know to to fill them, you know, fill the the, the messages, you know, with uh, with the visual is uh, is the, for me is probably the only way to go on. At what point do you give up on someone though? At what point do you kind of go, actually, this 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 it does not matter what I say, it does not matter what I show, this person is not going to change. Um, I don't know if you ever really give up. I think, like, if as soon as you go into a club, like if you go into a club or or a college, and somebody say to you, "Listen, this guy here, he's not worth the hassle." For uh, in my head, I'm always saying, "No, I'm the person to change him." And you find six months down the line that you can't change him, <laughs> that they were right all along. But I don't think I don't know if, if uh, like, yeah, in order to give up on somebody, really, you know, at at club level or 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 college level, I mean, you have to have a bit of ammunition behind you. So sometimes you're stuck with the with the individuals that you have, and you just you just you do your best. As Eamon says, maybe find a role where uh, they're maybe not getting in the road as much as as they have been or something. But but and is is that where it's different than county level? You can you've a bit more leeway to. To say to somebody, well, look, this, this just isn't working out. You're not playing the way yeah, I want. Hundred percent, or like if if they're not contributing to the team or the squad, it's going to be kind of obvious to everyone, and that's where you need competition within the squad, and you need fellas pushing on. And if there's a player there for X amount of years and they're stagnating and they're not progressing, level or the club, you'll always find some some role for them that they'll they'll make a contribution in some game somewhere along the line, but. Uh, a county level, you probably don't have the uh, the luxury of that. You just have to keep going and keep trying to win games. So 
someone isn't able to do what you expect of them, um, generally they'll they'll end up going by the wayside. All right. And have you have you taken on? Have you had that experience that Oshin has talked about there, where you thought someone says he's not fixable, I'm going to fix him, and has has it has it actually just not worked for you? I'm sure it has. I can't think of anyone off the top of my head, but I think the other thing can happen as well where, you know, there's huge satisfaction if everyone tells you not to bother with a person and you find something for them or you find some link with them that you end up getting something out of them that maybe they didn't even realize they had themselves. And I think that's the kind of the the fulfilling side of coaching. But um, of course, the other one is there as well. And, you know, where... Everyone then is almost rubbing their their hands in glee, waiting for you to fail because uh, they told you all along. But uh, no, the, it, it, if you if you manage to get something out of someone, it is very fulfilling. And I think there's been probably a couple of experiences like that as well. Kevin, coaching Galway and coaching club teams and coaching basketball, etc. Have you had that experience of um, of Oh wait, sorry, we've lost we've lost Kevin there. We'll leave, we'll leave that for a second. In in terms then of when you go to select a team, do you tend to get lured then by the work that you've put into somebody and by the improvements that they've made? And do you tend to give someone like that the benefit of the doubt, Oshin? I find with 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 picking teams, you I would be lured by the fact that somebody that I've seen something in somebody and uh, there's a huge amount of potential there, but that potential has never actually come to the surface. But you're, you're waiting and you're hoping that today is going to be the day. So I, that's the one I would be lured with. Um, not so much, you know, I, I, would, I would be more than willing to admit defeat if, if it's just not happening for somebody. Um, but the one I'd be lured with is the, the prospect or the potential for somebody to really ignite at some stage. And I've had my fingers burnt on numerous occasions with that one. And in, in the context, obviously, in the context of this, we're looking at teams being built. So Limerick, I think Limerick have done an unbelievable job, or Billy Lee has done an unbelievable job in the last couple of years. They've obviously set out to, to, to get themselves fit they've set out to develop players and he's built a really good team, Eamon. And do you, how do you see Saturday's game? Saturday, three o'clock, a monster final at three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. How do you see that? Uh, how do you see that going? I Look, I think um, I'd be surprised if Kerry don't win quite comfortably, Paul. Uh, you know, uh, like I suppose being outside the camp, I can say things like that. Whereas yeah. if, you were, if you were inside the camp, you'd be very much on guard. You'd be appreciating that it is a very dangerous game and that, you know, the lads, I'm sure, will be very much tuned in to the job that they have to do, both from the point of view of making sure they win the game and then from the individual thing of making sure they hang on to the their own jersey that if they're given a starting jersey. But um, I think with Limerick, you know, you mentioned the job that Billy Lee has done. I think one of the big things he's done as well is that everyone that's in there wants to play they want to play for him. They want to play for Limerick. So there's a huge collective spirit there. And that spirit is being built then because of the success that they're having, in particular this season. You know, it's it's kind of franking and it's proving to the players that, look, if you buy into this thing, if we're doing everything correctly, if we're all in it together, 
you actually do make progress and you actually can end up playing on the on the big days and uh, playing playing Kerry in the Munster final in, in, in Fitzgerald Stadium. So uh, I think they have a lot going for them. Um, I think they're going to make it hard for Kerry early in the game, but um, I'll I'll be shocked if it's not a if it's not a comfortable com- comfortable uh, victory for Kerry because I just think they're men in a mission and they just have to win it. They just have to win it and they have to up the ante and improve a bit again from the Cork game and keep making sure that the graph is going in the right direction. So I expect Kerry to be a bit better than they were against Cork and uh, I think that'll be that'll be a big ask for Limerick then. If we look at the, the Leinster final, which is the second game on Saturday, Eamon, when we were down in your school a few weeks ago, Dara Okneja said that he thought Kildare would be Dublin. Um, you were in no enormous rush to agree with him. Um, <laughs> have you changed your mind? I give Kildare a great shout on, um, on, on Saturday evening, Paul, but... It'll have to be the Kildare that played against Louth and not the Kildare that played against Westmeath. Um, I think that with the full forward line that they have, and look, with, with a lot of the quality they've all over the field, but I think in particular with the full forward line that Kildare have, uh, arguably coming up against Dublin's probably weakest line, or the, the line, not their weakest line, but the line that's struggling most at the moment, I I, I think that they could, they could do serious damage there, but... Um, you know, the problem with Kildare has been their inconsistency um, down the years and even the season that they've gone from, you know, beating Monaghan then to being well beaten the following weekend against Mayo in the league. So uh, I think if they if they bring everything they have, which I expect them to do because Glenn Ryan will have that really drilled into them since the final whistle of the Westmeath game, um, I expect them to bring everything. So again, it's it's going to be a very interesting game. Can they win? Of course they can. Uh, that'll probably depend on Dublin, which Dublin show up. Um, I was in the Westbury Bar in New York during the week here, and really just, just a just a good spot. And I met a couple of Dubs um, who were they're they're kind of a bit hurting, which is a kind of an extraordinary place for them to be in. They feel like they've been written off, Oshin. They feel like that. They're not getting due respect and they feel like people are setting this up as if it's a procession for Kerry. And do you see it like that? Do you see, do you understand where they're coming from? That must be nice for you, uh, meeting the dubs over there, seeing your dubs number one fan and have been <laughs> from time. Um, I think, I think there's, there's absolutely no doubt that, that not only are supporters in that Horton, but I think, you know, players, and I think there has been a definite, a Definite change of mindset, uh, body language, everything that that you would associate with a with a with a, a team that is used to success, um, but they still have their failings. And uh, if if Dublin are gonna win an All Ireland this year or even advance to uh, an All Ireland final, I mean they're still gonna have to improve hugely. But at least now there's a semblance of a plan uh, as to the way they're setting up, and and uh, I think. The way the forward lane has moved is moving, and how dangerous they are, and that they have, you know, uh, five if not six real threats up front that you have to deal with on any given day. So I think that added to the things that we always associated with them, which was um, the physique and the athleticism. So I mean, like as much as they have been written off, 
Uh, they've been written off for a reason, and uh, the performances just have not been good enough um, in the last eighteen months. And um, they are, as I said, they're, they're, they're sort of. It feels as if they're crawling uh, and working as hard as they can to get right back up there. But um, that's going to be difficult. It's going to be very difficult to reach the heights that that they reached, but. Maybe they don't need to reach those heights anymore. Maybe they don't need to be as good as they were because I think that the chasing pack is maybe not as good as it has been in the past either. So, um, as much as you know, we we've written them off. They still have an incredible chance to to uh, to still have a massive say in this and even go ahead and win it all. Ireland. All all the great modern teams. All the great modern teams who. Say for example, the Kerry team that won won the four in a row of of seventy eight eighty one came back and then did three in a row after a, a couple of years. The Kilkenny hurlers didn't get five in a row but came back. Your own team, Ushin. I read, I read something that you said in twenty eleven, where you talked about how you've been beaten in the Armagh. You said in twenty twelve, you've been beaten in the Armagh quarterfinals. Um, in 2009 after you were winning after winning whatever 46 or 47 championships in a row and you said that the team came back and never trained harder and that it was absolutely horrific what you did but defeat was such a shock to the system that once you got over it and you trained hard you got everything back on the diet got right again the training got right again and you won two All-Irelands is that what Dublin is that what Dublin are at now yeah, I think it's there's a real potential for everybody to to take a step back and have a look in at what you know was being achieved. I think there's times where you sit back and you sort of feel sorry for yourself and you think you know I, I probably need a break from this, but you you're willing to keep going. And then when you do get a break, you realize I didn't need a break. I don't want a break. You know I don't. I want to be challenging there all the time. And uh, I would say that that's where Dublin are right now. And I think it makes you look at yourself individually, first and foremost. But I think the biggest thing is that as a team, you know, you're able to come together. And, and to be honest, uh, in the situation that we were in, there was guys who, who you know, who, who weren't able to come back because they weren't able to give, you know, what everybody else was given. And I think, you know, you, you find out who's on your side. You find out, who's willing to go again. But I think the biggest thing is it completely refocuses you. Uh, and you have a look from the outside in rather than from the inside out. And I think when you're doing that, uh, then you get you get the chance to properly analyze performances and and you're even just right down to individuals' lifestyle and, and what you know what they're doing differently than they did three or four years ago. Because winning, winning does make you soft. Um, and it's it can only be little, small little bits, you know, just ebbing away or eating away at your time keeping or little things like that. And all of a sudden, you know, you get beat and uh, and then you take a step back and you refocus. So I think it helps to refocus the minds. And I'd say that that's absolutely where, where Dublin are right now. The one question mark is that just, just a quality issue. You know, is there enough quality in that Dublin team to actually go ahead and win in All-Ireland. As I say, I have no doubt that they'll be challenging. Nobody particularly want to play them, uh, especially if they keep them improving the way they are. Um, but I'm just wondering, have they got the quality to, to finish the job? Oh, what, what, what I will say before 
before I came out here, I met a couple of Dublin players, um, uh, and they were they were fairly wound up. They're in they're in they're really anxious, and, and I mean anxious in a good way. Um, and I thought I thought they had they, I thought they looked incredibly fit compared to seeing those same players last year and seeing the players in general. I think Dublin are much fitter this year than they were last year, and I think that would be interesting to watch as well. Kevin, do you rake there? Yeah, I, I potential wise, yes. Uh, and apologies, my 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 sound went, went off there. Um, no, it's all. Um, yeah, potential wise, I do rake there. Um, like but I am like aiming hit the nail in the head. <clears throat> um, consistency is a key. Um, I would have thought coming towards in the league that Kildare would be in the right position to 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 take out Leinster. They're there, um, but I'm still going to go for the Dubs. Um, I'm changing my mind that because you know quality is an issue for the All Ireland. Um, the, you know the McCaffrey is, is gone, Mannion is gone, Cluxon is gone, Michael Darrow is gone. I'm not so sure that they fill those positions. <clears throat> um, Quality-wise, I don't think they're as good as they were. But like Oshini said, I'm not so sure they need to be as good as they were. So they're right up there with a good chance. If Kildare being their A game, they're capable of beating anybody. But I just don't know in the league final or Leinster final in Crow Park, Dublin have got there. They've got all the, I've said this for the last two or three years, they've got the pitch, they've got a lot of things going for them. And the confidence has come up, which is really, really important. You look at Con Callan coming back, Merchant coming back, you know, a few lads like that that are starting to just make it tick again. So I rake a but I think Dublin will, will take it out. You um you were mentioned <clears throat> as a potential manager of Kildare and a potential coach of Kildare. And was this was it a job that you would have liked to have done? Potential wise, yeah. It's a team it's a team that um you'd like to have a crack at, to be honest. Um you'd like to make them more consistent. And a consistency is a, is, a, is a key thing to win, win any All Ireland, you know. But they have, I mean, look at the players, Flynn, all the, the Flynn's. They've they've got they, they seem to have very good players. Whether they're consistently working or making it work for seventy minutes, that's that's the question. So, any team that has that ability, you'd like to. It's a be a great challenge for any manager or a coach to put that together. So, it looks like to me the credentials look to be there. Um, but again, you don't know. Like there's always something you said to me as a young fella. You don't know anybody until you work with them, you know, or you live with them. And that's when you see the personalities coming out when they're under pressure. <laughs> so you'd like to spend a bit of time. I'd love to spend a week or two with them in the Cora camp or somewhere <laughs> and uh, bring them in a few trips and see, see what happens. So, but potentially wise, they look to have it. But yeah, there's a team, a team you'd like to work with. The way you said that, Kevin, I don't want to read, I want to put words in your mouth. Do you, do you suspect there's a brittleness there? I look at uh, unless it's in every team unless you prove consistency, you know. And doesn't how many teams can you say over the over the last number of years don't have a bit of bitterness? Bar Dublin, you know. And I suppose Amy, you know, Tim Kerry are right on the on on the border all the time. They're very very close. And um, but there's bitterness in most teams over the last number of years. Bar the Dubs. And again, this is what you say about Dublin. They're they're annoyed with themselves. They're annoyed with the public over the last few months because they're being accused of bitterness now, which they have. Uh, so that's the hunger. I think that hunger is going to drive Dublin to prove people wrong. So there's Britons everywhere, Paul, including Natalie. <laughs> we, we coasted on Saturday. No, I heard Absolutely <laughs> coasted. But it's specifically on Kildare, though. So yeah. I awfully seem to have played Kildare nearly every second year for 20 years. 
um, in the Leinster Championship and we have ordinarily lost. And I see Kildare forwards in particular when they play against Offaly, who look really good when they've got a bit of time and space and they kick points from loads of different places. And then you see them in, in a little bit later on in the competition and the squeeze comes on. And two things strikes me about mm. them. They seem to me to take shots from extraordinary positions, number one. And number two, they don't seem to me to work hard enough. And then they, they, they do it. And it comes back to that question. And your sound broke down earlier. Yeah. Do you think those things are coachable? Do you think that this is something you can, you can, you can change in a person? It's very difficult, Paul. And like, just go back to your point about my own point about either living with somebody or working with them. The reason that, re- that, the reason that is, the, is the case because that's the only place you're going to see anybody under pressure. At some point, if you're working with somebody or living with them, the pressure will hit. And I suppose that's the only time you're going to see how people react to pressure. So it's lovely Kildare or any other team kicking 19, 20 brilliant points when there's no pressure on. When the pressure's on, that's when you're going to see. So coachable, that's very difficult. You know, it is really very difficult. Um, and you've got some superstars in, in teams that are really, really good. Will they allow themselves to be coached? That's, that's another side of it because sometimes, I suppose I said, people we are, we might think we know everything and we're not, we're, we're not teachable and mm-hmm. we don't really allow yourself to be challenged. And, you know, that holds back some of the best talented players. Um, but as a team, I suppose, like you're talking about, are you coachable as a team? I mean, you've got to put the patterns there, the kick-out strategies. Can you, all your guys, buy into that? And I think Eamon touched on this. If you've got some people who are, I suppose it's a horrible word, caustic, it's a caustic towards what you're trying to do, they'll erode everything over time. And at some point, you're going to have to say, well, this guy isn't coachable, or this group don't like change, or they're listening to outside factors of, we call it tradition, that all holds you back from winning. Because if, you don't, if you're not willing to move on with where, where things have moved on, I don't see how you're going to win. So can you coach a group that's been coached by other people outside your environment? If they, if they want to listen to that, it's very, very hard for them to be coachable, in my opinion. I'll add, uh, I'll add by the way, having someone in the classroom beside um, living with them or working with them to, to work out what to work they're really like, whether that's a student or a teacher, by the way. Yeah, yeah. I'll put it, I'll put it both ways. Yeah. Oshin, Oshin, there is a group though that have been coached and have made huge progress and they play it's Derry and they played Donegal in the Ulster final on, on Sunday and Rory Gallagher has, has has done a phenomenal job there. I would say a coach to within an inch of their life and I think every single one of them has bought into it and I think that is an incredibly um, powerful thing and I think we've seen that over the last uh, two games with, with Derry in particular um, and I think not only just doing things to the letter of the law and, and the way it would have been prescribed in the training ground, uh, but they have a huge amount of quality as well. And for the first time in a long time, well, well this is an obvious thing to say, but the first time that I remember in a long, long time of uh, the goodwill and feeling all being behind uh, Derry and the county team, because it was fractious to say the least with uh, clubs and and they just couldn't get along. They couldn't get the right people in the dressing room, as in the best players. Um, and they've managed to do all that, but now they're just they're just they're just playing with such confidence and a belief in every single thing that they do. And I, I still think the group itself is like there's a ceiling for them. I think they're maybe limited enough. 
uh, but they're getting the absolute maximum out of out of each other um, and out of themselves. And it's a, it's incredible. I don't know where where this is going to take them. I'm a little bit like like the way Eamon is with Roscommon. I just I'm not not a hundred percent sure how far they can go. But I, I think that that uh, Sunday will tell a huge tale on where on where they're at because um, you know like. Let's face it, Donegal have a have a an exceptional idea of how they're going to set up, and uh, and there's a few things that you know um, that they'll probably do in order to to counteract dairy strengths and the things that have really worked for them. Um, so that's a huge challenge again. But like any challenge has been put to them so far, um, they have passed. But I I, I can't get the the Galway League game out of my head. Um, and, and that thing, what, though, that thing of being coached within uh, an inch of their lives, it's more than that, though, as well, isn't it? Because there is consistent direction being offered on the sideline during games. It's not just coaching before games. It's it's almost like a PlayStation thing from the manager on the sideline who's telling people where to run, which way to go. It's it's very, very vocal. Would you have liked to have had that? Um. I or would you would've... wish you played on the other side of the field? Yeah, I would have. I would have talked myself probably to the other side of the field. Maybe. Um, I think the thing about about the manager and instructions, like, like, there's only so much. Like, there's a lot of shouting going on, so there's only so much like that players are going to pick up. And I think that's more about Rory and 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 uh, showing his enthusiasm and uh, and just the way he is probably. He looks as like a guy who has boundless energy, so he's probably getting rid of a little bit of that along the way as well. But um, I, I would say that when you when you look at at Derry, I mean, they looked as if they look to me as if if they're as if they know exactly what they're at before they go out on the pitch, and that I would say a lot of the instruction that's coming from the sideline is 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 going over players' heads. Eamon, is that? Is that a way you would go about things that that repeated instructions? As in to be barking him from the sideline myself, yeah. Paul? Is yeah. No, no, no uh, <laughs> that wasn't my style. But you know, different people have different ways of going about it. And I think again, it depends. Like when I'm involved with school teams, you're going to be more vocal and more kind of. Um, involved in the instruction of the game uh, and they can hear you at a school game but um at inter-county level you need Rory Gallagher's voice I think to be to be heard so not sure mm-hmm. if I possess that so it wouldn't be my style no Paul but I don't see anything wrong with it if that's you know I played I played under Paddy Shea and he would have been very vocal and very animated and very involved in games and there were times that we would have taken inspiration from that. There was times we wouldn't have been able to hear them. And there would have been times where we wouldn't want to have heard to meet her if he was calling you to task. But uh, it's it's pretty unique, I think, in, in, the, in the game nowadays to have someone as vocal as that and as animated as that. And um, I'm sure if they get a day when things are going against them, there'll be plenty of fellas behind him in the sand giving him plenty of grief as well. So... At the moment, he's been in a powerful position, but uh, if you get a day when it's going sticky, he'll be he'll have plenty of guff coming at him, I'm sure. Eamon, do you think do you think the the loss of the Murfernia has has 
is detrimental to the game or has taken a little bit away from the game or you know it's so difficult to get instruction on surely it is it is Oshin yeah um I I imagine it's a challenge management wise that's trying to get messages in now and again I think that comes back to the coaching element that you're trying to you're being forced probably to empower the players even more in terms of their decision-making out in the field. But if you see something very obvious and you want the lads to change it up and you feel it can have an impact, I imagine teams have systems where whoever's you know playing in the wing positions at either side are going to be getting instructions and they have to pass them on to get them into the field. But certainly it must be challenging and particularly, you know, at least in the COVID times with, with the, the water breaks, whether you were far or against them, certainly from a management perspective, you, it was a good time to get messages in and to have a bit of a recess, but uh, 35 to 40 minutes is a long time not to be able to get a message to your players. Did, did you ever have a manager who told you to do something and you just went, I'm actually not doing that? I'm just, there's... Yeah. No, it was always a good boy, Paul. I just <laughs> I find that hard. Wasn't, I wasn't good enough to be going off doing my own thing. I just did what I was told. Kevin. Paul, you know what drives me mad? And I, I I I see it in a lot of club games, and all I hear is will you kick it in? Will you belt it in? And what they don't see is this, the young fellas are quite smart. So why would they kick a ball in when there's four V one? So I hear all I hear is these coaches going. Kick it in as long as it can. It has to come back out. Now, geez, that's instructions for me are, are absolutely crazy. I mean, crazy. So, like, if I was playing and I was given that instruction, I think I'd hope I'd be smart enough not to listen to it. Like, why, why would you do this stuff? To, you know, we have, we have to let these youngsters come at two, 16, 17. They see stuff. Some of them are very, very good players, smart players, a lot smarter than what we be. But I think this is the old barking that still goes on. I'd love to see that being cut out to a degree in, in coaching that, that, that it moves on. And it's fine saying, you know what, he's a volunteer or the clubs are small and they can't get people. But I just find that hard to to, 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 to take that that's the instructions being given to young fellas that are are smarter to know not to do it. But then they take them to task because they didn't do it. So you see them in half time. And I see boys waving the finger and saying, why don't you kick the, kick the ball in? And the poor devils are afraid to say, well, look, it's the wrong thing to do. So, I don't know. Look at there's times I'd say you'd have to say, no matter what you're told, if, if you're being told something that doesn't make sense as a player or a leader, you'd be hoping you might step up and say it's not the right thing to do and just do it without without being a big deal about it. But maybe I'm answering the question on Paul. But... In in your own time playing though, yeah, did you ever have a manager at either club or county level and you just thought to yourself, this fella has not got a clue? Once or twice. <laughs> and, what did, and what did you do? I do my own thing. <laughs> and did you bring other lads with you? I did. <laughs> <laughs> I look at that, Paul, things have completely changed. I mean, I'm a long time gone. You know, I'm a long time gone away from the game. But I know, but principles, management's yeah. the same thing, though. It's still it is, principles well, of teams. And... It is, but in fairness, I mean, you spoke about Roy there. Things have completely changed. I mean, the managers, there was no systems. There was no... You know, there was no massive coaching. There was, I think, stepped up. I, I always said, when John Amani came with, with us, he brought preparation to another level we didn't see before. Yeah. Massive. But again, at that, that time, coaching didn't move on too much. That was more about preparation and getting ready for nine months' time. The coaching hadn't actually moved on a whole pile. But 
over the last number of years, you know, it's, this has gone to systems, sweepers, it's gone to screens, it's gone to making space, making, you know, taking people out wide, double teaming, you know, help defense, all the, the language you use, triple threats. Like, that's all come in, in the last number of years. And that's all coachable. It, is, it has to be coached. I think you don't really need that for teams that are, that are, we'd say, far above the level of competence or good players because they walk through you. They walk through a worse team. I'll go back to your pressure, Paul, and on. But it's when it comes tight, that's when the coaching is going to be the big part. And if that's not there, you know, I, 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 I feel for the team that doesn't have that because if you've an All-Ireland set in your agenda and you haven't brought that to that level, you'll probably struggle when it comes to the best, the best teams. And the ceiling comes always in for every team at some point and at some point you realize that a player just can't do it the way you want to do it and how do you tell that player that i suppose look at the game and said early on you, how do you tell him i suppose you'll like I, what was the thing stop start continue like Eamon talks there about getting messages in every player would really be working on maybe one or two items always even during matches so if i'm a manager and you can't get a word in just to give him a word in, he actually wants feedback during matches. How am I doing? How am I getting on with my whatever it be off the shoulder running? Um, what's the two or three things he's been working on for the last month? Because the only time you'll see that is in game time. So if you can't get a message on during the game and you're 70 minutes or 35 minutes, it's a bit crazy, really, that you can't use a mere fairness. So, but I mean, all those things, players want that feedback, they want to be told. That I'm improving or not improving. Now, it comes to the point where they hit that ceiling. Like, you just have to bring out the, the figures and show them that and say, look, you give him another chance, another chance. At some point, he may not be the man to give the job to. But, did, but does it not come to the point that we just have to give the players the team? Your, your job is to set the team up mm-hmm. and put the players in the right position and then let them go and play. Yeah, but at some point, Paul, if a certain players who for the first time or second time are put into that environment and they might be showing a train they're able to do it, and you'll see under pressure that they don't actually, that they're not actually able to get over this line. You know, you're, you're not going to continue with that as a manager. Otherwise, you're going to be falling short yourself. So, the, you know, that's what we always, we always give KPIs to players, always. And we always update them. And if they struggled, you know, reset the KPIs every, every month or so. And if at some point something clicked into a person's game, he wasn't able to get past the ceiling, he'd be told that. And if he couldn't go past that ceiling, then at some point, someone else had, had to get a go. You know, we'll finish. We'll finish by uh, calling the winners, both of you, Eamon and, and Kevin. Call the winners of this week's uh, provincial oh, finals. Oshin, we're going to call the winners of the finals. Um, so call the four of them. You go first. Um, Roscommon, Kerry, Donegal, and Dublin. Okay, Eamon. Um, I'm kind of the same but I'm unsure about the Connacht final and I'm unsure about the Leinster final I think uh, Donegal and Kerry will win the other two I slightly lean towards Dublin and um, extra time required in Connacht (laughs) Kevin I'm going to go for Donegal, Kerry, Dublin, and Galway. And just back on the Derry thing, Paul, I think 
Rory must be doing a great job out there because in fairness, like what again Oshin mentioned about the goalie match. I was in the goalie match against Clare the week before, and Galway scored one two in the first half. Yeah. Scored two eight in the whole game. And then they scored three eight against Derry in the first half in Derry. So whether Derry didn't turn up that day or they tried something new, I'd be hoping for their sake that that's what happened because otherwise that was a flop. Um so we're hoping that that may not happen the weekend. I don't think it will. I think that the pressure is on them. So when you don't hear another journeyman roaring and shouting in the, in the papers about this Derry team in the minute, he must be doing a great job. So at the same time, I think Tundigal will probably hold, hold that one. They'll have too much for them, yeah. I think, so. I, think, I, think, I think that's probably right. And I agree with you. I think Galway will beat, um, I will beat Ross Common. We'll leave it there and we'll come back to what is, uh, next, we'll come back next week to what is a bumper weekend of football ahead of us uh, this weekend. Thank you to Larry Ryan for running the podcast, to Raf Rocca, to Jack Neville, to Tony Lean for making it happen, to everyone ex- examiner of sport, to Johnny the Westbury, to a huge thanks to Renault and to Ushin McConville, especially to Eamon Fitzmaurice and Kevin Walsh for joining us today. Bimit Hernash Galua. I, I, I agree. Nobody And that small bit of a needle there. Oh, come on, Mayo, you've got to get Andy Moran into the game. Listen, he's doing it, and now they're really roaring. And I can tell you, tell you, that there won't be a cold milk and cold for at least a week. Thanks to our sponsors, Renault. The Renault Capture, the versatile, compact family SUV.